Hi, this is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of uh, interviewing and inviting to the podcast uh, a great and dear friend, Dr. Andrea Mariani, and also uh, Dr. Ilaria Capasso. Andrea Mariani, as uh, we all know, is at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and also Ilaria Capasso, uh, who performed the research at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, she's also in the Polyclinico Gemelli in uh, Rome, Italy. The reason for this podcast is the August uh, lead article that is titled <clears throat> Prognostic Factors in Endometrial Cancer Patients with Isolated Lymphatic Recurrence. So, Ilaria and Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Of course. Well, again, thank you for uh, sending your, your manuscript to our journal. And uh, congratulations on uh, on the work that you have done and for this contribution. So uh, certainly we have lots of questions, including questions from the fellows in the International Journal. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to get through all of these. Um, so I'll start with, with you, Ilaria. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how frequent is uh, lymphatic recurrence in the setting of early and advanced stage endometrial cancer when adjuvant therapy is not administered in the initial treatment? Sure, thank you for your question. Uh, firstly, it needs to be stated that although endometrial cancer has an overall good prognosis, because generally diagnosed in a uterine confined stage, so early stage, uh, around 10-20% of patients with an early stage will experience a disease recurrence eventually. So focusing on histologies, 20% of endometrioid and 50% of non-endometrioid will experience a recurrence. And specifically, based on evidence reported in the literature, a lymphatic component of the recurrence occurs in approximately 4-20% to of early stage endometrial cancers and up to 50% of endometrial cancers when adjuvant tre treatment is not administered. And also of note, uh, isolated lymphatic recurrence is a rare event in endometrial cancer. And in our experience at Mayo Clinic, which is mm, the one with the largest number of isolated lymphatic recurrences reported in the literature to date, uh, we observed that approximately 2% of cases of endometrial cancer will experience uh, an isolated lymphatic recurrence. Fantastic. And, and thank you, Ilaria, for, for that uh, introduction to this topic. And Andrea, uh, you know, certainly you have published so much um, and contributed so much in the field of endometrial cancer. Uh, why did you think this one particularly was an important study to conduct? No, and thank you for this question. And first of all, again, there is a limited knowledge, limited information on this relatively rare condition. But there is another reason why I think it's important because there is overall still some questions about when we do sentinel nodes, are we missing something? Uh, like, uh, so if we are missing lymphatic metastasis, can we treat those metastases at the time of recurrence? In particular, there is this question about the paraortic area, okay? You do sentinel nodes, are you missing a paraortic disease? And so, and if we treat paraortic disease at the time of recurrence, can we still treat this at that time? And so this study can help answer this important question. 
Great. Um, Ilaria, I'll come back to you for a, a few of uh, the next questions, um, specifically about this study. Uh, first, can you tell us what was the aim of the study? Sure. Um, the aim of our retrospective and single center analysis was to uh, analyze the prognostic outcomes of endometrial cancer patients with isolated lymphatic recurrences um, uh, stratified for specific sites uh, of recurrence and treatment approaches of the isolated lymphatic recurrence. What were your uh, inclusion criteria? Uh, we have uh, included patients who had undergone primary surgical staging for endometrial cancer uh, between 1984 to um, 2017 at Mayo Clinic in uh, Rochester, Minnesota. And we included all figure stages uh, of disease and epithelial histologists that have experienced an isolated lymphatic recurrence after primary surgery. And we um, decided to define um, isolated lymphatic recurrence as the first and unique recurrence occurring in lymph node bearing areas without uh, concomitant vaginal or hematogenous or peritoneal recurrence. And uh, so we uh, excluded also patients undergoing neoadjuvant treatment and patients with known epithelial histologies at final pathological evaluation. And we uh, divided our patients into, um, into sites of recurrence. So pelvic isolated lymphatic recurrences, paraortic isolated lymphatic recurrence, distant and multiple site. Fantastic. So um, obviously you wanted to evaluate the clinical pathologic features and the outcomes in these patients with isolated lymphatic recurrence. Um, what did you find? What were the main findings of the study? Um, first of all, uh, a percentage, which is the rate of isolated lymphatic recurrence uh, among all the endometrial cancer patients, which is, um, we found 66 uh, cases over more, um, more than 400, uh, 4,200 patients, so 1.6%. Uh, of patients with isolated lymphatic recurrences. And overall, um, co-specific survival was 24 months and did not differ between uh, the four um, isolated lymphatic recurrence site groups. And seven over 15 patients with a paraortic isolated lymphatic recurrence were long-term survival. So this means that they survived five years or more uh, after the recurrence. And seeing from the other side, seven over uh, 15 uh, long-term survival were indeed um, patients with paraortic isolated lymphatic recurrences. And at multivariate Cox regression, um, both um, lymph uh, lymphovascular space invasion negativity and grade one at primary tumor uh, were related to an improved co-specific survival in patients with uh, isolated lymphatic recurrence. And similarly, um, being treated with surgery with or without other associated therapies uh, for the recurrence was associated with an improved co-specific survival. And neither the type of surgical node staging or the different adjuvant treatment received for the primary tumor were observed to influence the prognosis uh, of patients with isolated lymphatic recurrence. So these are our main results. Fantastic. So takeaway, I mean, certainly lots of patients, 4,216, likelihood of isolated recurrent 1.6, and surgery seems to be uh, of a benefit to, to, to these patients. So now, uh, Ilaria, that 
now that you've answered the tough questions, we're going to get to the easier questions for uh, Professor Mariani. Um, so Thank we're, you. <laughs> we'll, we'll start with a question from our fellow, uh, George Hegel in, uh, in Venezuela. And um, Andrea, he asked, uh, more than 30% of the recurrences were documented without actually pathology confirmation. Uh, is there a specific reason why uh, this was not performed? Um, at any time, did you consider excluding these cases for final analyses? And, and I think it, it brings the question overall of if you have isolated lymphatic recurrences, um, should one always uh, proceed with pathology confirmation before embarking on treatment? No, and yes, indeed, it's true that uh, about one third of patients was not confirmed by biopsy. And instead, the diagnosis was based on a radiologic evidence or clinical evidence. In general, what happened then, this recurrence was fur in, in, in this population was, uh, this diagnosis was further supported by the documentation of a response either progression or response to treatment. So in uh, more uh, during the treatment of recurrence. And the, the reason for that is this is uh, mostly a historical type of series that uh, span, span for 30 years. And so sometimes it was not really possible to see the reason why there was not the biopsy. But in general, what I would say, it was worth noting that uh, um, almost 80% of patients in which there was not this uh, documentation of the biopsy eventually recurrent, uh, uh, progressed mm -hmm. or recurred again and died of disease. So overall, uh, this uh, uh, demonstrates that uh, the diagnosis of recurrence was clinically correct. Uh, therefore, I do not think that we need to be too worried to the point of excluding this patient from the analysis, but certainly this is a very important question, and I acknowledge that this may be viewed as a limitation of the study. Okay, great. Uh, this next question comes from uh, Jessica Mauro, who is currently in the Piemonte region in Italy. Uh, she says, do you underline that the patients were carefully selected for surgery? Other than the resectability of the recurrence, are there any other important exclusion criteria uh, when considering surgery? Yeah, we knew, uh, this is a retrospective series. So we use the, let's say, common criteria for defining if the patient is fit for surgery, like if we look at exclusion criteria, sometimes it may be uh, old age or comorbidities or poor performance status, uh, inability of performance of activities of daily living. So certainly common way of evaluating if a patient is uh, fit for surgery. Then from the other side, we excluded the patients with other associated uh, distant metastasis that obviously uh, may uh, are more likely to uh, recur a distance and so less likely to uh, benefit uh, for surgery. And just be aware that many times, at least uh, during the last 10, 15 years, um, the vast majority of these patients, the, the, the final decision is decided during a multidisciplinary tumor board. 
Exactly. All right. Very well. Um, Ilari, I'll turn to you for this one. Uh, interesting question, again, also from Jessica Mauro. Uh, she says, considering the histologic type among the long-term survival patients, uh, these were all the endometrioid tumors, I believe, except for one. Um, did you explore the possibility that uh, histology could impact as a prognostic factor in this type of recurrence? Thank you. Um, for sure, the endometrial histology is known to be associated with a better prognosis compared to non-endometrioid. That therefore, we believe it is possible to assume that many of the long-term survival had an improved post-specific survival due to a less biological aggressive histotype. Um, however, in our analysis, the distribution of the primary tumor histotype did not different uh, did not differ among the different sites of isolated lymphatic recurrences, and did not impact significantly on prognosis on survival. Yes, so. Um, However, ours is a retrospective analysis and the significance of this result could have been influenced by the small number of cases, for sure, and also because grading already had a stronger impact on prognosis. So maybe can cover this significance a little. Yeah, and it's always challenging, obviously, with rare tumors to get enough numbers. I, I completely agree. Um, Andrea, I'll turn uh, over to you. This, is, uh, this question is from... Um, uh, Guido uh, uh, Balzaki in uh, Argentina. Um, he asks, in the manuscript, it seems reasonable to say that surgery with or without other treatment could represent an effective strategy for isolated recurrences. Is there any patient where you would consider, in fact, just surgery with any adjuvant treatment after? Yeah, and uh, that's, that's a very interesting question. And I I look also again at the paper to try to answer to this. It is important to note that among the 18 patients who underwent surgery, almost always these patients, apart from one, there is just one patient in this series who had surgery alone. Everyone else receives some time of adjuvant treatment because these are recurrent patients. So there may be some microscopic disease somewhere either in the area. So what I would say based on our experience also, again, two thirds of these patients who had surgery, two thirds receive some type of radiation. Mm. And the others, apart from one, they had some chemotherapy. So uh, what I can say is that our experience uh, really describe an approach of surgery in the vast majority of the time combined with something else. Therefore, as a general guidelines, I would suggest to consider discussing with the patient about additional treatment to remove some microscopic disease that uh, may be there. So radiation, if it's possible, many times these patients, they undergo even intraoperative radiation, for example, at Mayo Clinic, and in some situation, even uh, chemotherapy may be appropriate. And again, this is decided in a multidisciplinary type of approach. Great. Um, this next question, uh, I'll turn to Ilaria. And I think it's a, you know, it's a great follow-up uh, to your answer, Andrea, with regards to when the patients uh, ask, well, you know, why surgery at all? Uh, why not just radiation therapy? This question is from Giuseppe Caruso. Uh, he says, the authors concluded that surgical treatment of isolated lymphatic recurrences yielded improved 
cause-specific survival. However, they did not specify whether recurrent sites have been previously irradiated or not. Were you able to compare surgery versus radiation therapy for recurrent sites that were not previously irradiated? And if not, do you think that surgery should be preferred over radiation therapy or radiation therapy over surgery? Thank you. That's a very interesting question. Uh, we have looked uh, at this variable, so previously radiation in the overall population. Um, however, it was not possible to compare surgery with without other treatments and radiotherapy alone as a treatment for isolated lymphatic recurrence uh, in the population that did not receive adjuvant radiotherapy um, after primary staging to, due to the very small number of cases that we had uh, in this subset that was, that was not previously irradiated. So I believe it's less than 30 cases. Mm. So um, therefore stratification for treatment of the isolated lymphatic recurrence in this small group was not possible. And in our experience and based on our results, uh, surgery generally associated with other treatments uh, should be preferred to radiotherapy alone for isolated lymphatic recurrence when radicality is achievable and patients are fit for surgery. And of note, um, in our experience, most of the patient did not have surgery alone, but in association with other treatments as uh, Dr. Mariani said uh, previously. Very well. And Andrea, this question is from uh, Seda uh, Sahinakar in uh, Turkey. And she asked, and I think, you know, certainly we have been discussing uh, as well, the isolated lymphatic recurrence in the abdomen or pelvis where surgery is a potential possibility. Um, but she asked, how should we determine treatment choice in isolated lymph node metastases with distant metastases? In other words, outside of the abdomen and pelvis. Yes, no, and thank you. And again, uh, thank you also for clarifying the questions because the, the question because uh, what do you mean for distant metastasis? Obviously, if you have associated peritoneal or hematogenous metastasis, uh, these are usually patients that do not go to surgery and they don't belong to this particular study because they have in general poor prognosis. But if we are looking at isolated lymphatic recurrence uh, either in the groin or in the sovraclavicular region, our study demonstrated that this patient, if this is the only area of metastasis, uh, have uh, still a reasonably good prognosis. They, are, they were the patient that did best together with the uh, patients with paraortic metastasis. And uh, because usually those areas are a kind of, uh, they have not been previously treated with surgery or radiation. So certainly even in such cases, whenever appropriate, you can certainly if uh, uh, discuss surgery as a treatment option, for example, in the groin, uh, that's certainly an area where this can be a possibility and in conjunction sometimes with uh, chemotherapy or radiation. So, but certainly uh, they would be treated like the other recurrences and always as part of a multidisciplinary discussion. Great. And, and Andrea, this is uh, an, another question uh, from Guido. Um, he says, you know, clearly there's a bias in association between surgery and improved survival. I think sort of like the same principle as ovarian cancer. If you are a candidate for surgery up front, 
you're going to do much better because you more, most likely were a patient that had lower volume of disease or more favorable um, outlook. And his question is the same. He says, well, you know, surgery in this study shows that it's better, but is that because these patients are in much better performance status, because these patients have lower bulk of disease? So in other words, a much more favorable population, and thus the reason why surgery is better. Yeah, and this is certainly true, true and real. So yes, there is an important bias. It's a retrospective uh, study, we try to mitigate the bias uh, uh, by adjusting for age, but the bias is there. And so, but this is the best that we have at this moment. But uh, what, what I would say is that based on our results, uh, we can say that if the surgeon or the multidisciplinary team decides that surgery is a viable option, and certainly that's a bias, but if the surgery or the multidisciplinary team decide that surgery may be a viable option for one of these patients, it is not unreasonable to do so. And the outcomes may be reasonable. So uh, this is only a suggestion based on limited evidence and not a strong recommendation. But I repeat, it's certainly open this possibility. Great. Um, so, Ilaria, the next question is um, on the, this is also from Giuseppe Caruso, and he says, the authors reported that low-grade histology in the primary tumor was a predictor of improved prognosis in patients with isolated lymphatic recurrences. However, patients treated with hormonal therapy, which is used for low-grade disease, show a poor cost-specific rate. How do the authors explain that? Is it a bias because patients who receive hormone treatment were grouped together with those undergoing observation? Yeah, we uh, we believe that there could be a multiple reasons for this. Uh, first, it is possible that grouping together hormonal uh, treated patients with uh, patients receiving no treatment at all could have contributed to reduce cost-specific survival. Um, however, it must be stated that most of the patients that generally undergo hormonal treatment are the ones that are unfit for any other kind of treatment, so for age, comorbidities, and many other reasons. So um, also, this is something that needs to be uh, considered. And however, due to the retrospective nature of our study, which is a limitation, it is challenging to know all the specific reasons uh, of choice of a certain treatment for each patient, so. Great. Andrea, I'll turn uh, to you again. And this question is from somebody you know well as well, from Giuseppe Cucinella. Uh, and he asked, only one patient in the entire population underwent nodal staging with sentinel lymph node biopsy alone. Considering that sentinel lymph node is the most common method of lymph node assessment, what are your thoughts regarding the rate of lymph node recurrence in the setting of sentinel lymph node only? Do we expect more lymph node recurrences when just doing sentinel lymph node compared to lymphadenectomy? And what is the pattern of recurrence in patients who have just uh, sentinel lymph node? So uh, that's a very interesting question. And the reason for this observation is that uh, this is an historical series and the sentinel node is a, a relatively recent type of approach. And so this is why we don't see so many patients 
from the Sentinel node. Uh, however, what I can tell you that evidence in the literature do not point to the fact that per se, patients who have Sentinel node then have worse oncologic outcomes. We have multiple studies from a memorial, from Mayo Clinic, a comparison of them, and we don't point into that direction, even data from Canada as well. However, it is worth notice that in one of our paper from Memorial versus Mayo, in which uh, we compared the sentinel node versus lymphadenectomy in patients with positive nodes, what we observe, we observe that the risk of paraortic progression or recurrence was 3.7 times higher in the sentinel lymph node cohort. Mm -hmm. And uh, for in comparison to the lymphadenectomy, however, the overall survival was the same. So we could see more time. So based on that, uh, so to answer to this question, what I can say is that there is not big evidence, but it is certainly possible that we may observe, for example, a higher incidence of uh, paraortic uh, or a distant lymphatic recurrence in patients who had sentinel lymph node uh, performed. But based on our findings, we have seen that those patients can be treated with reasonable outcomes. Very well. Andrea, this next question is from Matt Wigger. He's uh, in the United States in Wisconsin, and um, he's one of our fellows. Um, he's asking specifically about the periodic recurrences. Uh, do you think survival in the periodic isolated recurrence group is due to the fact that those patients underwent surgery, or is it a reflection of the disease biology harboring a more favorable prognosis when you recur just in the periodic? Yeah, very good question. And I think it's probably both. It's a combination of this because in our studies, we observe that the majority of paraortic recurrence are more than half of them are associated with distant dissemination. For that reason, isolated paraortic recurrence is a relatively rare disease. And therefore, it is possible that patients who have isolated paraortic recurrence may in fact be patients that they don't have distant metastasis and so that they have a less aggressive disease. Mm -hmm. And so potentially, yes, it is possible that patients with isolated paraortic may have a more favorable biology of a patient who have paraortic recurrence as disease also in the lung. At the same time, also, paraortic patients uh, with paraortic recurrence, usually it's an area that has not been treated before with surgery or radiation. And so in many of these cases, a combination of surgery and radiotherapy can be used. And so also this may be also patients that are uh, more treatment options available. Also it's worth noting that many of these patients, so for example, at Mayo Clinic, we use even IORT. So mm. in conclusion, I would say it's a combination of both there may be more availability for treatment and we may really be selecting 
a more favorable group of patients. Yeah, which then brings me to the next question. Um, actually, these next two questions for you, Ilaria. And of course, this next question uh, I knew was going to come up. This is also from Matt. Um, he says, this study did not provide any information on molecular characteristics of the cohort uh, experiencing isolated lymph node recurrence. Is there, is there data available for that? Uh, some evidence suggests a higher rate of lymphatic involvement in mismatch repair deficient endometrial cancers. Could this be a risk factor for this specific pattern of recurrence? Uh, thank you for your question. Uh, I think that molecular analysis now is the hot topic and it's really promising. Unfortunately, we don't have this information on molecular analysis in our retrospective population. But yes, we do believe that the integration of molecular data could be very informative and provide further relevant information and association with this specific pattern of recurrence. And this is particularly true after the publication of the study from uh, Denis et al, observing that mismatch repair status was significantly related to presence of lymphatic metastasis when compared with other molecular subtypes. So yes. Yeah, and, and as a follow-up uh, related question, also uh, this one from Giuseppe Cucinella, uh, which may offer opportunities for you or others who are listening to perform a study evaluating this. Um, do you foresee that the molecular features may have a role in the pattern of recurrence? In other words, a specific pattern for each classification of the molecular profile? Yes, we already have some evidence of that. There's a study from um, Siegen Thaler adult um, that uh, has shown that mismatch repair deficient endometrial cancer are more likely to recur locorigenally um, compared to P53 abnormal and NSMP tumors that have a higher rate of distant metastasis. Um, so, and it also have um, been observed that uh, uh, there's a trend toward a higher rate of abdominal metastasis for uh, P53 abnormal group compared to the other groups, um, the, the other molecular groups. And, but yes, this, this area needs to be further investigated, that's for sure. Also in light of the latest uh, FIGO uh, 2023 staging system, giving much more importance to molecular analysis than ever before. So. Uh, we definitely need to do that. Great. Um, well, I want to thank you both. Obviously, we want to be respectful of your time. This last question comes from Luigi Davitis, uh, who is now also uh, rotating at the Mayo Clinic. Um, and I'll start with you, Ilaria. Um, what is the current approach to the treatment of isolated lymphatic recurrence at your institution? Uh, thank you. Um, in the institution I'm currently working, which is Polyclinico Gemelli of Rome, uh, we generally perform surgery or stereotactic radiotherapy in patients with isolated lymphatic recurrence, uh, depending on the preoperative evaluated surgical resectability, age, comorbidities, and performance status of the patient. Um, but the, the most important thing to underline is that uh, and endometrial cancer recurrences, both isolated or other kind of recurrence, uh, recurrences must always be referred to referral centers for gynecological oncology and always discussed in multidisciplinary teams of experts to decide the best treatment options for each patient. So to tailor treatment the, uh, the best we can. Fantastic. Thank you for that answer. And uh, Andrea? 
Yes, so at Mayo Clinic, uh, all of these cases go through a multidisciplinary tumor board and surgery uh, and certainly surgery can be considered when appropriate based on what we said before, biologic characteristic, uh, patient medical and social situation. Sometimes even the social situation may be important and tumor resectability. At Mayo, we have the IORT possibility, and so many of these patients belong also to the possibility of an intraoperative radiation therapy approach. Sometimes chemotherapy may help to improve resectability or maybe utilize in case of a biologically more aggressive tumor with a more likely possible microscopic distant metastasis. Well, thank you both so much. Ilaria Capasso, clearly a, a, a shining superstar of gynecologic oncology. Uh, Andrea Mariani, thank you, of course, always for your amazing contribution to the field of gynecologic oncology and all of the things that you continue to uh, provide for, for patients with gynecologic malignancies. Thank you both so, so much. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you.